Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. A man in authority under God is not a mean man. He's not a a stomping on the family man. He's a man that uses his authority to build them, to protect them, to love them, to nurture them, to minister. They're better off for being under his care. This doesn't give way to some macho, I run the show, stomping my foot, having everything my way kind of guy. As you come to the New Testament, we find that Jesus is the, the picture that every husband is aiming to be like. Have you ever had someone co-sign a loan for you? Someone who steps in and vouches for you? An advocate in a sense? Well, Pastor Bill shares that Jesus not only co-signs, but also intercedes for you to pay your debt. In today's message, Pastor Bill also shares that husbands are to play a similar role in their marriages, and wives also have an important yet different responsibility in supporting their husbands in this role, creating a God-honoring relationship that brings order and structure to your family. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Numbers chapter 30 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Father, as we prepare now to study Numbers chapter 30 and Learn about the importance of keeping our word, uh, being men and women of integrity. Uh, Lord, as we learn about submission and being under authority, and ultimately, Lord, as we look at um, how that we're so blessed to be under your authority and your care. God, I pray your word would come to life, Lord. I pray that it would speak to us tonight in a living way. I pray it would speak to the situations that we have going on in our lives, even at this time. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, we're coming to the close of the book of Numbers. We were looking at the different offerings and the different days and and whatnot that they had to honor. They had to acknowledge and recognize the Lord on. Today is a little different. Um, Today we're going to look at, as we pray, we're looking at the importance of keeping our word and vows that we may or may not make. And so if you tend to be someone who, you know, you make vows, you make commitments and, and you don't keep your word. Be that to the Lord, be that to other people. You want to you wanna listen up and uh, we're going to go through some verses and, and whatnot that will hopefully help us. So look at Numbers chapter 30, starting at verse 1. It says, Then Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes concerning the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. If a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement, He shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. And so the first two verses deal with if a man does it. The rest of the chapter is going to deal with if a daughter or a wife or a widow woman does it. And we're going to see that there's some exceptions given to women that are under authority. But right up front, it says, hey, if a man makes a vow to the Lord or if he swears an oath and he binds himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. So the first thing I want to clear up is, do we have to make vows? Everybody? So you don't have to make a vow. And that's what some people want to maybe pay attention. If you find it, man, I always end up breaking my vows. You might want to just stop making vows because you don't have to make a vow. But once you do make a vow, God says you need to be a person of your word. If you said it, you need to do it. And so if you find that you're someone that makes commitments and you, you vow things, hey, I'll be there. And you don't be there. I'm going to call you right back. Everybody knows that means nothing. That means that I'll see you next week when I see you. I'm going to pay you next week. But but everybody knows that that means, you know, probably never going to see that money again. If you're one of those kind of people, 
This is written to them way back when, but same God, yesterday, damn forever. He wants believers to be people that keep their word. And so I, I put down three different categories that people make vows in. First, vows to yourself. This happens a lot around New Year's. People make vows to themselves. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to read my Bible every day and pray. I'm going to save money. Those are vows and commitments that someone might make to themselves. If you make a vow to yourself, does that matter? Yeah. You should keep your word. Anybody here made a vow to yourself and didn't keep it? Anybody? Anybody? All right. Just want, I just want y'all to know we all condemned together. So as I was preparing this, I, I was like, man, I, that's, that's me. I do some of these things. So the next one, so vows to yourself. The next one is vows to others, to other people. Um, this could be a wedding. I'll be with you till death do us part at the wedding. How many people in our culture walk up to an altar, stand before a minister, stand before God and stand before their family and loved ones and vow, I'm going to be with you till death do us part. Nothing's going to separate us but death. And then be months, weeks later, I can't stand them. They're getting on my nerves and, and, and the vows are out the window. That's a vow. It's a big deal. It's a vow you made to someone else before the Lord. Like I said earlier, I'll pay you back next week. That's a vow you might make to someone. I promise I'll take care of that. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of it then. God said, I want you to be people to keep your word. And though we live in a culture of people that give you a million excuses not to keep your word, we need to be different. We should be the Christians should be. We should stand out in this society as vow keepers, marriage makers, people that are married. We just stay together because we vow. The, the third category of vows that someone might make is vows to the Lord, promising something to God. I'm going to just say right up front. Here's a vow you never want to make to the Lord. Some of us have maybe done it. If you've ever said to the Lord, God, I'll, I'll never do that again. Don't ever do that. No, because you, it's, it's more than you can bear. You can say, God, I, I, I ask you to help me to never do that again. You can make it a prayer. But don't vow, God, I'm never going to do that again. Because anybody's ever vowed that probably has done it again. But that's a vow that people make to the Lord. God, I'll never do that again. God, I'm going to serve you. I remember when I wasn't even a Christian, I made some vows to the Lord. Not fully understanding who God was and how it worked. But being in Catholic school and having a little bit of God influence in my life, there was a few instances where I was, I could see that there was some heavy duty trouble that was, you know, that could be happening. And I remember praying, God, if you, if you just get me out of this, I promise I'll never do that again. And then doing that again after everything worked out. And so people make vows to the Lord and don't keep it. So I want to give some verses that deal with keeping our word, keeping vows. And I want you just to write them down in your notes. First one is in Matthew 5, 34 to 37. Jesus said, but I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head because you cannot make one hair white or black, but let your yes be yes and your no, no. For whatever is more than that is from the evil one. And here God is saying, you know, as a believer, it shouldn't even be required for you to have to say, man, I swear, I promise. I know when I was growing up, man, I put that on my mama, you know, um, and you, you, you know this, but people that have to swear are normally people that are not very trustworthy. The people that I know that like, they gotta, they gotta really convince you, man, I swear, man, man, I put that on my mama. Those are usually people that their word is not good enough. God is saying as believers, we need to be people that our word is good enough. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let your word be so solid that all you got to do is give your word and people say, you know what, if they said it, I believe it, done. I, I accept it. So it's not that it's wrong to swear or make an oath, but it should be. We should be people of such integrity that our, our yes or our no is enough. It's good enough. If you write notes, also write down James. Uh, James chapter 5, verse 12 says, 
But above all, brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. And so once again, we're just reminded of, man, let, let your word stand. Um, if you speak something, let it let it be good enough that you gave your word and you said it and let that be enough. And so, you know, that's something for everybody to kind of evaluate yourself on. Are you a man or woman of your word? Do the things you say, do they you typically keep your word? Are you someone who your word is trustworthy? People can trust the things that you say or not. And I know for me, that's as I got to work on that in some areas there. There are things that I say too flippantly and without giving enough thought. But I gave my word out. I said, I'll call you back or I'll be there or yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to do such and such a thing. And sometimes it's, it's when I, you got to look at the fact that your word's supposed to mean something and slow down a little bit. Um, that's that's for me. I mean, I'm just sharing it because it might apply to some of you guys, too. That if my word is going to be valid and value, valuable and I got to sometimes slow down and make sure I'm not over committing. Um, think about the commitments I'm making, maybe whether I can keep them or not before I go ahead and give my word. And, and it's hard to do. Sometimes you want to just tell people, yeah, 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 yeah. And I intend to, but I don't. And so that's, that's, that's not being a man of my word. I got to work on that. So Ecclesiastes chapter five, if you're writing notes, Ecclesiastes chapter five, I'm going to read verses four through six. And it says this in Ecclesiastes five, four through six. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Better not to vow than to vow and not pay. Do not let your mouth cause your flesh to sin, nor say before the messenger of God that it was an error. Why should God be angry at your excuse and destroy the work of your hands? And so once again here, God says, look, clearly, It'd be better just not to make a vow than to make a vow and not keep it. If you've made a vow, then you need to keep it before the Lord. So anybody here got any vows that are out there, that are that are hung out there before the Lord? You want to be someone that keeps your word. If you promise something, uh, if you're married, that's a vow. Keep your vow. Stay in your marriage. Keep the commitments you made. Um, sometimes it's a healthy thing for people that have been married a long time to go back and reread the vows that they took. Um, go back and reread them. You can go online and pull up the general wedding vows. Every once in a while, it's a good idea to go back and reread those. Um, post them on the refrigerator and remind yourselves of the commitment that you made before the Lord um, that you would keep it. So now starting in verse three, verses three through five, we get the first exception. So the one thing you're going to notice with the exceptions is that they're people that are under someone else's authority. And we'll talk about that. So look at verses three through five. It says, or if a woman makes a vow to the Lord and binds herself to some agreement while in her father's house in her youth and her father hears her vow and the agreement by which she has bound herself and the father holds his peace, then all her vows shall stand and every agreement with which she has bound herself shall stand. But if her father overrules her on the day that he hears, then none of her vows no, nor her agreements by which she has bound herself shall stand and the Lord shall release her because her father overruled her. And so the first instance where there could be a an exception made concerning someone making a vow, it's a young woman who is under her father's authority. She still lives in her father's household. She is unmarried. And in that case, she would be under her father's authority. And so it says, if a young woman in that position makes a vow, and something that would bind herself, she could make a commitment to do something, whatever the case would be, and her father hears it, it says, now, if he hears it and holds his peace, then now she's going to be responsible to keep that vow. 
But if her dad hears the vow she made and said, no, 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 she can't do that. I know she said this, but that's not going to happen. She's not going to be able to keep that vow. The father could step in and overrule because she's under his authority. Now, I got to stop here and explain what that looks like, and what that means. We're all going to see the same thing when it, with regard to marriage. God has in his arrangement of things established an order and an authority. And we live in a culture that fights this tooth and nail. We live in a th- we live in a culture right now that don't want nothing to do with this. But in God's arrangement, there's an authority, and it's not to it's not to harm, right? It's not to harm this young lady that God says if this young woman makes a dumb vow and her father hears it and he steps in, he can overrule so that she's not bound to something that don't make sense. God said, I'm 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 letting this dad do his job. So first thing, men, dads. Men that are in that role, that position, know that you need to be proactive in ministering to your kids. We're living in a time right now where there are parents that want to let their kids, I'm going to let them make their own decisions, you know, they got to they learn for themselves, blah, blah, blah. Can I tell y'all that, that the Bible does not know anything of that? That's, that's a cop out for parents that don't want to do the difficult job of parenting. I'm going to just, you know, I got to let them make their own mistakes. Let them make their own, when, when they're 20, they can go make their own mistakes. When they're 21, when they're out from under your roof, when they're out from under your covering, then go out there and burn their knees up and skin they, you know, they skin their knee a little bit. But while they're under your care and covering, can't you stop some of that? Can't you intervene? It's uncomfortable. You, you see, they might run off to the room and, and be mad at you. They might not agree. They might disagree, but that's your job. That's parenting. And so God says, look, if dad, you overhear that. Now, he says, if dad overhears it and holds his peace, then then it's all then then this this I got to say this, because there are some men in the home that will see things that aren't right. Watch things go wrong. And for the sake of peace, hold their peace. I don't want the war. I don't want to, you know, now sometimes it's because, he know, he got to fight with his wife. Um, So I'm going to just say this. If you're the man, you got to go ahead and have that fight. And if you're the wife, you need to fall back anyway. That's God's arrangement. But sometimes there's some men, there there are men that are in marriages where the women are so dominating that the men become very passive and feminine almost. And they don't lead. And it's both of y'all's fault. And so men need to stand up and lead spiritually and biblically as God has ordained. And women need to submit to that and allow it to be over the kids, even over the kids. That's where some mom be mama bears and they jump in and what is you know they want to intervene and have private conversations and make a deal over here where dad don't know and you ruining the structure that God set up if you do that so um, if you want your household to run in a way that honors God let that man mess up and let that thing run right on back up to him and the Lord and I promise you God to intervene God got to deal with everything that's not right but if you be intervening and kids don't submit and mom get in the way and dad's passive and don't lead it, it leaves the kid. What it, what it does, it leaves the kids uncovered when God has put them in a situation where they should be covered. Um, my kids under my, they should be covered under me. If I catch wind of something, I'm like, no, that's not right. No, that, no, you get, you're not going to do that. That's not going to happen because I love you and that's not right and this is why. But that's not going to happen. But Dad, I don't understand. All my friends, I know, I know. I'm gonna let you have you go get some tissues. We got a big box in the closet. Go have a go have a box. Um, but but we're not doing it, you know. And and you'll grow up and appreciate it later. But right now, that's what it is. And and I need my wife to stand by and support. Yes, husband, go. Woo, shish shish boom ya, you know. So 
God says here, that's, that's what dad could do. Dad could step in, daughter, make a rash decision, make a wrong commitment. Do something. Dad could step in and say, no, 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 no. She's not going to be responsible. That's not going to happen. Un- undo that. Un- I'm undoing it. Sorry. Sorry she said that. And God said in that case, it would be, she would be off the hook in that sense because she's under covering of dad and he intervened. Y'all with me? All right. Next one. Verse six. This one deals with a wife that's under the authority of her husband. So verses six to eight. If indeed she takes a husband while bound by her vows or by a rash utterance from her lips, I'm going to come back to that, by which she bound herself and her husband hears it and makes no response to her on the day that he hears, then her vows shall stand and her agreement by which she bound herself shall stand. But if her husband overrules her on the day that he hears it, he shall make void her vow which he took. And what she uttered with her lips by which she bound herself and the Lord will release her. So verses six to eight says, look, if a wife who's under the, the covering, I say authority, but it also is a covering. A wife is under the covering or authority of their husband in God's economy. And so if a wife, it says it gives us two different scenarios. If indeed she takes a husband while bound by her vows. So let's say she's already made a bad vow, but she takes, she gets married. And the husband, incur, he comes in and sees that she didn't enter into something bad. He can overrule that. And then it says, if by a rash utterance from her lips, she bound herself to something. So maybe she just in a moment wasn't really thinking it through all the way. Maybe in an emotional moment or whatever, she makes a rash vow. Husband can say, no, 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 we're not going to do that, babe. He can intervene. Now, once again, here go the criteria for the intervening. It says, and the husband, if her husband hears it and makes no response on that day, then, then it's good. Then, then it stands. But if the day that he hears it, he says, hey, babe, did you just say that? Is that what I heard you say? You can't make that commitment. We're going to undo that one. I'm, I'll talk to him. I'll get it squared away. He can step in and overrule and she won't be bound. Now, here's important as well, right? In both cases, the husband needed to act on that day. Uh, he needed to act quickly and he needed to do something on that day and so again I would say to men that are leading and God has blessed you to to be in a position of oversight you can't be sitting back real passively watching things go wrong under your roof that God says I'm holding you accountable now you might you might need to take you a minute get your emotions together get your attitude right have you a prayer get you some scriptures and then come and address them you got a whole day but God said, look, it, it needs to say something. You need to do something that day. After that day, you let it go. Uh, don't, don't come back next week saying, well, that thing you said last, I didn't agree with what you said last week, and I'm speaking up now. God said, no, nah, if you didn't say nothing that day, don't say nothing. A null and void. So that's important, right? That's telling me that God said, hey, man in authority, you need to act promptly. Can't let that stuff go. Same idea with, when it comes to disciplining kids. God said, look, if you discipline your kids, and Proverbs says, discipline them promptly. You can't wait a week. I don't know what they're getting whooping for. You got to go, hey, what did you just do? You got to get them right then and there. You know, it got to be prompt. Give yourself enough time to get your act together, get your attitude right, but it needs to be prompt. So here God says in a marriage scenario, once again, a, a husband has oversight. He has, he's a covering for his wife. And so God said, look, if a woman made a wrong vow or you hear her make a rash vow and you can jump in and intervene, it says that she won't be bound, that she could be released from that decision or whatever that was that situation 
Once again, this isn't to dominate a woman. This isn't to, this isn't a chauvinistic, you know, stomp on her head. This is God's, I want to cover and protect you. I'm protecting you from making rash decisions. Now, someone might ask, well, how come the man? Well, notice in verses one and two, God said, look, if a man, God already dealt with the man. You need to keep your word too. But but God has put man in God's economy. It's the Lord. It's the husband. It's the wife under the husband, the children under the mother and the father together. And that's God's divine authority. And again, our, our society that we live in right now fights that tooth and nail. But we need to continue to acknowledge that that is the way that God would have it to be. Whenever you see it done properly, it's beautiful. Right. A man in authority under God is not a mean man. He's not a a stomping on the family man. He's a man that uses his authority to build them, to protect them, to love them, to nurture them, to minister. They're better off for being under his care. This doesn't give way to some macho, I run the show, stomping my foot, having everything my way kind of guy. As you come to the New Testament, we find that Jesus is the, the picture that every husband is aiming to be like. And so every husband, every man that's in a position of authority, we're always looking at Jesus. How did he lead? How did he oversee? He was so gentle, so gracious, so loving. He was firm when he needed to be firm. He had prayed, spent time with the father. He wasn't just throwing things off the hip. He was giving solid counsel and direction, but he was gracious and patient with those as they were coming along and making mistakes. It's a great example for every husband. Every husband has such a high mark to hit. That we ought to continue to be looking to Jesus knowing that we're not there yet and we're continuing to aim to be like that. So now looking at verse nine, we have a divorce or a woman who husband who's not no longer with a husband. So verse nine says also any vow of a widow or divorced woman by which she has bound herself shall stand against her. So if a woman is divorced, so she's not under the authority of a husband or she's widowed, her husband has passed away and she makes some rash vow or she makes a vow. She's got to stand under her vow. There's no there's no covering to take that off of her. She made a vow. She's got to stand with it. And so in that sense, an unmarried woman or unwed woman is not she's not under the covering of a husband. In that case, her her vows have to you know, she's got to keep them now. Verse 10 through 16 we're back looking at a woman, a wife and a, with a husband again. It says, if she vowed in her husband's house or bound herself by an agreement with an oath and her husband heard it and made no response to her and did not overrule her, then all her vows shall stand and every agreement by which she bound herself shall stand. And again, I want to just point this fact out that here, once again, it says that if her husband heard it, and he made no response. And while on one sense, I want to really nail the husbands and say, husbands, if you see something going wrong in your household, you got to stand up. You got to speak up. You got to lovingly intervene and do the difficult stuff for your wife, for your kids. It's just a difficult thing to do, but you got to do it on the flip side, because I've been around long enough to see what happens in households and in scenarios and in families where women dominate. At some point, it's wrong. But I've watched many times very domineering, non-submissive women fight and fight and fight to have their way all the time and finally you get a husband that says fine I need peace I can't do it you win and he just recluses back he doesn't fight for anything anymore he doesn't lead and then a woman's looking at him like he's a pathetic leader he's the leader you made with all your domineering non-submissive acts and behaviors so I just want people to know it, it goes both ways as much as I would jump on a man and say man you need a man up step up to the plate do your job you're the man do it I'm also saying to the women, submit and let them do it. Make it easy. 
A woman that is submissive to her husband in the Lord has the best chance of having a husband that will flourish as a spiritual leader. A woman that will not submit to her husband in the Lord makes it very difficult for that man to flourish in all that God would have him to be. Thanks for joining Pastor Bill on a transforming word as he teaches through the book of Numbers. As you listen to today's message, we pray that it has not only inspired you in your faith journey, but challenged you in your relationships. The book of Numbers recounts the various struggles the people of Israel faced with those outside of their camp, but also within. Surely, there are difficulties you might be facing inside your family, your church, your work setting, and the nation as a whole. But God is still here, and He's proven time and time again that He's not leaving you or abandoning you. So when you're tempted to get down and out, chin up and remember that He is faithful. The messages you've been listening to are in Ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. If you're ever in or near the Inglewood area, you're more than welcome to join us for church. We meet at Calvary Chapel, Inglewood every Sunday and Wednesday. And you can get more information on our website at calvaryinglewood.org. You can also call or text us for more information. Our number is 310-245-4811. Again, that's 310-245-4811. If you're looking for more resources or ways to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just look for the links on our website. Again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. Well, that's all we have time for today. But Pastor Bill will have more to share from the book of Numbers next time on A Transforming Word. <laughs>